Good morning. And welcome again to Westwinds. Uh, whether you're joining us online or in person, we're really glad you're here. Uh, for those of you who are here in person, you can see that the sanctuary looks a little more colorful today. It's because we have our Kids Week starting tomorrow for kids in kindergarten to grade 7. And they're going to be hearing about the good news of Jesus, which we are super excited to share with them. Uh, we have about 38 kids registered, um, but, <coughs> pardon me, but there is room for more. So if you know of anybody who would like to come, uh, they can still register to come. Um, today we're talking about prayer. We're continuing our series on prayer, and we're actually going to be looking at Acts chapter 2. And when I first got this passage, um, I have to say, whenever I read this passage of Scripture, there's, there's something in me that just is like, oh man, that would, that would be so awesome to be there in that moment. It would be so amazing. So we're starting at verse 42. <clears throat> they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. This, the past couple of weeks, I've been listening to um, this one pastor, and he was speaking about being consecrated or set apart to God. And I have to say, I was convicted. That's, there's no other way to put it. I was convicted. And as I share this message with you this morning, I want you to know that um, I'm right here with you in hearing this message. Um, God is speaking this to my heart, and I hope he in some way uses it to speak to your heart as well. My question today is, what are you devoted to? What are you devoted to? In the original Greek, the word would equate to faithful adherence to or persisting obstinately in. It is a good, stubborn action, this devotion. It's a stubborn commitment to someone or something motivated by the meaningful affection of the actor. It's interesting, when I was thinking about this, one thing that stood out to me is our priorities show what we're devoted to. So what are your priorities? I had to kind of look at my own life and examine what I'm spending my time doing. What do I spend my money on? How do I spend my energies? What we are devoted to is shown in our priorities. And this is the thing. A lot of times we think, you know, people will talk about multitasking. Oh, I can multitask. I'm so good at multitasking. Multitasking is a fallacy. You cannot successfully multitask. You can fake it. You can switch from one project to another 
but you cannot do two things at once. You cannot do three things at once. And even if you're switching rapidly between different projects, they suffer. Because the reality is, as human beings, we are not designed to be doing a million things at once. What are we devoted to? What is our focus? My challenge and my conviction was really my time. Because I'll be honest, I waste a lot of time. As much as I am busy, a lot of the time I am busy doing nothing important. And that, for me, was convicting. I could have been spending my time praying for people in our congregation, praying for people in my community. I could have been spending time devoted to God's word, drawing closer to him. Man, it's like record time, you guys. Seriously, I can hear whispers up in the balcony. Who won that bet? How do we spend our time? How do we set our priorities? What are we devoted to? The, these followers in the early church, they devoted themselves. What's the first thing they devoted themselves to? The first thing they devoted themselves to in this list is the apostles' teaching what Jesus said, what the apostles talked about, what they saw Jesus do. The apostles were with Jesus. They saw him heal. They heard his teaching. They heard his authority when he taught. They saw him speak with wisdom that nobody else had, and they saw him raise the dead, heal the sick, give sight to the blind, and not only that, they saw him die on the cross and rise again. They were devoted to teaching what the apostles saw, what they heard, what they knew. They were devoted. Why were they devoted? Jesus made it very clear in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you, even to the end of the age. The thing was, Jesus' teachings, we've talked about this before, they turned everything on its head. It wasn't this mamby-pamby, like, ooh, everything's honky-dory. The reality was, the Jewish people who were the first believers, they were an oppressed people. They had very few rights. And yet Jesus said, you are going to be a part of a kingdom where none of this stuff matters. What matters is that you know me because I have power. I have power over sickness. I have power over death. I give you belonging. I give you place. I give you myself. Their lives began to show that they belonged to a kingdom that was not of this world. Here's the thing. A lot of times, now I will tell you, I'm a very sensitive person, as most of you can see, um, but a lot of times we let our feelings dictate our obedience. 
And I heard a pastor say once, it's like you're out in a snowstorm and you can see a nice warm cabin. The light is coming from the windows and you can see people sitting around laughing and drinking hot chocolate and you are outside freezing, freezing cold. And you're sitting and you're like, oh, I wish I could just feel the warmth of that fire. I wish I could drink that hot cocoa. But you sit there out in the snow. Obedience is the action of stepping out of the dark cold into the presence of God in obedience, and then you begin to sense his presence. Obedience has to come first. Feelings will betray us. Feelings will mislead us. Obedience has to be something that we're committed to. What did Jesus say? Teach these new followers to obey everything I have commanded. Not give them the warm fuzzies. He said, teach them to obey. We need to be obeying what Jesus taught. We need to be devoted to the teachings of God's word. We need to be diving into this. None of the pastors here have all the answers. Sometimes we like to pretend we do, but we don't. We don't have all the answers, but you know, God does. He speaks to our hearts. He reminds us of who we are, and he shows us the way to life. This is where we need to be diving into. We need to be devoted to God's word. Second, they were devoted to fellowship. Man, when I was growing up, I thought fellowship just meant like coffee time after church when everybody brought snacks. That was a good time. I loved it. That's part of it for sure. It's important that we hang out together, but fellowship goes beyond just time together. Fellowship goes deeper. The word fellowship, actually, the Greek word is koinonia, and there's this idea of sharing and intimacy this public association with having things in common. People from all different walks of life, all different viewpoints, all different backgrounds, we have what is important in common. We have Jesus in common. And so we share an intimacy that we can't really share with anyone else because Jesus is central to our lives. And when we belong, to Christ, we share that association with everyone else who belongs to Christ. There's supposed to be this closeness that we experience with no one else, a devotion to one another. Now, I really like Lord of the Rings. I really do. I mean, I could probably sit and watch that movie once a month. I really like it. But anyway, I digress. There's this scene where these people, so just so you guys know, if you don't know what Lord of the Rings is, there's this evil ring, and it has to be destroyed, and, or else the whole of Middle Earth is going to fall into chaos and ruin and darkness. And so all these people from different kingdoms come together, and they all have different viewpoints and different self-interests, but they know that this one thing has to be destroyed. There's the kingdom of elves, and the elves can't stand the dwarves. 
and the elves don't trust men. And then there's the dwarves who think they know it all and they don't like the elves because they think they're arrogant and they don't really like men because they're untrustworthy. And then there's the men and they don't want to trust anybody else, they just want to take care of the things themselves. And then there's the hobbits who are just kind of quietly living their own little life. Now here's the thing, before I lose you guys and all this weird Middle Earth, elf, whatever, they all had different self-interests, but they knew this one thing that had to take place, and it brought them together. And when this fellowship of the ring was formed, it was formed with people from every different kingdom, every different walk of life, and they were devoted to each other. There were times when they made mistakes, they messed up, they were devoted to each other. They didn't beat each other up. They didn't focus on what they had done wrong. They moved forward because they knew their goal. They knew their project. They knew exactly what needed to be done. And here's the thing. As believers, Jesus holds us together. He is number one, or at least he should be. He should be the thing that binds us all together, that unites us. It shouldn't matter how old we are, how young we are. It shouldn't matter what background we have, what our income is, it should not matter. It should not matter what, where we were before Jesus found us, whether we are four years old or 50 and on the streets, it does not matter where you come from. If you know Jesus, you belong here with us and we belong to each other. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. They were devoted to fellowship. And they were devoted to the breaking of bread. And the breaking of bread sounds like they were just having another meal, like these people were eating all the time. They weren't. The breaking of bread is specific to the Lord's Supper, to communion. They were devoted to continually reminding themselves and each other what tied them together. They were continually celebrating communion because by taking the cup, and taking the bread, they were reminded Jesus' sacrifice for them, his love for them, and the love they were supposed to have for each other. As Christ's followers, our love is supposed to be sacrificial, a laying down of our life for him and for each other. That's who we're supposed to be. So they devoted themselves to the Lord's Supper. And finally, they devoted themselves to prayer. And this is not the least last. This is so key. But all of these things tie together in harmony. It's like in the early church, you couldn't pull them apart. It wasn't like you could say, okay, here's prayer, here's fellowship. Like you schedule it on a calendar. It all intermingled. It was like taking different colors of Play-Doh and smashing them all together. Try getting that apart. It all went together. A lot of times we think that prayer is something that we schedule, something that we do at the end of the day, or something that we do before a church service. Those are all really important things to do, but the thing is, we need to be setting aside time to just be with God. Some people will say things like, oh, well, you know, I'm more of a person who likes to, 
you know, pray throughout the day, kind of sprinkle prayers over my day. And I will be honest, I have been that way too. But I started to realize that it's really hard to get into a a good relationship with God if I'm only giving him a minute here, a minute there, a few seconds here, or a few seconds there. It doesn't mean my prayers aren't sincere. It doesn't mean that my desire isn't for God. But I'm telling you right now, if you want to go deep with God, you need to make time for it. You have to. John Piper says, when are you going to pray? You may say, I don't want a compartmentalized life with prayer in one devotional compartment and the rest of my life in another compartment. I want an integrated life with prayer saturating all I do. Well, amen to that. But it's a false dichotomy, and it won't work to choose between a season of prayer in solitude and prayer soaking the rest of your life, as those, those two were alternatives. If you want to walk in prayer all day long, you will need to linger in prayer in times of quiet communion with God. Why? Because you can't get deep with God on the run, fitting him into the cracks of your day, but you can enjoy continual fellowship with God on the run if you have gone deep with God in the stillness of the seasons of prayer. What role does prayer play in your life? Prayer is huge. Prayer is proactive. A lot of times we think if we're just sitting quietly and we're talking to God or just sitting quietly and listening for him to speak to our voice, that somehow nothing's happening. But prayer is proactive. When you can do nothing else, you should pray. When you want to do everything else, you should pray. Prayer is the first thing you should take time to do. The first thing. Prayer also provides perspective. It opens your eyes and your heart to the spiritual world. There's a reason why every book of the New Testament, in one way or another, encourages us to pray. In Ephesians 6, 10, Paul writes a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and the authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, and you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after battle, you will be standing firm. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Being devoted to prayer is not optional if we want to go deeper in our relationship with God. Prayer changes things, and more accurately, it changes us as we face things. The longer we spend with God, the more we start to understand his heart, the more we are empowered to obey his word. That's the bottom line. He changes us the more we're in his presence. There are so many times that God has answered prayer in my life. 
right now, if God has ever answered prayer in your life, I want you to put up your hand. God answers prayer. He answers prayer. It is something we need to be devoted to, not only for our own lives, for our own families, but for this church, for the people in this church, for our neighbors, for our politicians, for our cities. Prayer changes things on a level that is beyond what we can see and beyond what we can affect on our own. Because prayer aligns our hearts to God's, and God hears our prayer and he answers. The thing is, God answers our prayers, and we know that. Like, we've seen, like, everybody raise their hand pretty much in this room. God answers prayers, but sometimes we forget how awesome that is, that he answers prayers. We have traded our awe at God's grace and mercy and faithfulness and goodness for apathy and our wonder for cynicism. And at what cost? If we devote our lives, our time, our resources, our money, our energies to God's kingdom, can you imagine what that would look like? What do you think that would look like? I can tell you what it will look like. <laughs> Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. This is the wonderful effect of the devotion to the kingdom of God. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And you may wonder what all of this has to do with prayer. And I was supposed to talk about awe and wonder today. But this is the thing. The early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, and they devoted themselves to Jesus' teachings and the testimonies of those who witnessed all he had done. How would that affect how you pray? If you're constantly reminded that Jesus fed the 5,000, if you're constantly reminded that he healed the blind, if you're constantly reminded that he gave peace to troubled souls, how would that affect how you pray. I don't know about you, but it, it fills me with, every time I hear stories about Jesus doing those things, I'm like, wow, that would be so awesome. I would love to be there. I would love to see that. I would love to hear him teach. It fills us with awe and wonder when we're devoted to God's word because his word is awesome and wonderful. There's a reason Jesus tells us to have faith like a child. And the way to help us remember that is by reminding us who Jesus is. 
by what he did and what he is doing in us and in our church. The early church devoted themselves to fellowship, belonging to each other. This wasn't the cheap substitute of a religious social club or a philanthropic organization. The early church provided intimate care, sincere encouragement, and loving and honest accountability. A glimpse of the kingdom of God realized in the hearts and the lives of Jesus' followers. Awe and wonder. Can you imagine the freedom we would have each other, the love that we would feel, the belonging we would sense if we embraced each other this way completely? And I'm not saying there aren't glimpses of it here. There is. Oh my goodness. This past week, you guys, I have been just so blessed by so many people. Helping out, preparing VBS, calling and saying they'd volunteer, all different things. But I'm telling you, even throughout the year, I'm blessed by people coming up to me and telling me, I pray for you every week, or emails encouraging me, or cards or notes sent to me, just thanking me for whatever random stuff. I'm telling you, there are glimpses of that gloryful kingdom here and now. But can you imagine if it became even more? If we loved each other even better? If we were devoted to each other? It would be amazing. Amazing! We would be filled with sincere and generous compassion. The early church also devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, to communion. Okay, we talked about this. How would this affect how we pray? It would impact us in such a way that we respond in sacrificial humility and with ample forgiveness and gratitude. Because we recognize constantly the grace that has been poured out to us. And in turn, we would pour that out on other people. We would give people the benefit of the doubt. We would love them before we turn them away, before we judge them we would embrace them and bring them close to a savior who wants so much for them. Can you imagine? And the early church devoted themselves to prayer. They were stubbornly obstinate in their commitment to pray and to their time with God. They were devoted. Francis Chan says, while we can't force people to be devoted, it may be that we have made it too easy for them not to be. By trying to keep everyone interested and excited, we've created a cheap substitute for devotion. Rather than busying ourselves with countless endeavors, the early followers devoted themselves to a few. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And what happened? It changed the world. John and I were shopping the other day at Walmart. We don't, yeah, it was random anyway. And John goes, hey, just for fun, let's go look at the pictures in the picture aisle. So we're like, oh, okay. 
And we go there, and there's, uh, you know, different things. But there was one picture of the Eiffel Tower, and it was okay. It was a black and white photo. It was kind of neat looking. And John goes, oh, look, the Eiffel Tower. And I said, yeah, but I've never been there, so I would feel kind of weird putting it up in my house. Like, and I began to think of it this week, and I thought, sometimes we treat God like that like a postcard we've gotten from another place. We treat the kingdom of God like a place, oh, we'd like to visit one day, but we've never actually been there ourselves. But I'm telling you, Jesus wants us to be living in his kingdom here and now. He wants to give us more than just a postcard. He wants us to give us the real thing. And if we open our hearts up to him and allow him to pour that into us and into our church community, it will change the world. It will at least change here. And we will see people drawn to him in the meantime. God's heart is that we might shift from dabbling in church, devoting ourselves to his kingdom in such a way that the world is jarred out of its idolatry by the intensity of our communal passion. When people see us, they should see something different about us. Something different about the way that we talk, about the way that we interact with people, the way that we treat people, the way that we respond to different situations. So what are we devoted to? What are you devoted to? I'm going to ask you to do something you might not be super comfortable with, but <laughs> I'd like you to look at the person next to you on your left. Look, and for the people who have no one beside them, you can look forward or backward. You can look to the person on your right. And together we're going to pray for each other for our church. We're going to pray for a deeper devotion. Some of you might be like, man, I pray two hours a day. I spend time in God's word for like two hours a day. I'm devoted. That's awesome. I still pray that God takes you deeper. <laughs> I still pray that for you. I pray that for myself. So let's pray together right now for each other and for our church. Okay? Heavenly Father, you are such a good and gracious God. I thank you, God, that you want your kingdom in our hearts here and now. I thank you, God, that you have chosen each person here to be your follower. Help us, God, to be devoted to you in every era of our life. God, I pray right now for people who are struggling, struggling to find connection, struggling to find hope, struggling to find peace. I pray, Jesus, that this would be a first step, drawing closer to you and drawing closer to each other. God, help them to experience that fellowship. I pray for people right now, God, who have been struggling with being gracious and forgiving, people who struggle with anger, 
or resentment or bitterness, I pray, God, that you would break those chains and set them free. I pray, Jesus, that you would remind them of your death, your sacrifice, but also that you have power over sin. You have power over darkness. And God, they would turn to you and you would fill them with your grace and your mercy and your love for every person in their life. We pray this in your name, Jesus. We also pray right now, God, for each one of us. God, help us to be more devoted to your word. God, help us to go deeper into your word. Help us to hunger and thirst for your word, God, so that we can know you more and more every day. God, awaken our hearts and our eyes to your truth. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And God, I pray that we would be devoted prayer. God, that you would draw us deeper into relationship with you. God, that you would help us to set our priorities where you are our center focus. Help our hearts to align with you. Help us to spend more time with you. Help us to listen for your voice and help us to obey. We pray this in your name, Jesus. We thank you. Amen. I want to encourage you. It doesn't matter where we are, whether we are doing the sprinkling prayers or we're spending hours upon hours in our prayer closets, we can always go deeper. We can always draw closer. We can always be more devoted to Jesus. And know this, he is devoted to you. He gave up everything for you because of his love for you. And he wants deep relationship with you. I encourage you, have a great week. Be blessed and be a blessing. Thanks.